0: Welcome back to the MMA by the Numbers podcast, where we're taking a numbers driven look into the world of mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Jason Shandle, and this episode is UFC Vegas 55 by the Numbers. Going to dig into the stats, going to pick winners, and uh, talk about my favorite bets on the card. Now this week we've only got five fights where we have both fighters with at least a 30-minute sample size in the octagon, so it's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, uh, as a lot of those fights where we just don't have enough of a sample size are, are really hard to really dig anything meaningful out of the stats. So I'm going to be jumping around the card a bunch in this one and, and picking out those five matchups uh, where we do have enough stats to, to really dig into and, and draw some some more meaningful conclusions. So first up, that gives us Chase Hooper versus Felipe Coyares in the featherweight division. The first thing that jumps off the page in this matchup is that both guys have just brutal efficiency everywhere we look. So looking at distance striking accuracy, and Hooper sits at 37%, Kiara sits at 40%. Not necessarily terrible numbers in a vacuum. You know, if they have solid defense rates, that's that's fine accuracy. Um, but when we do flip over and look at defense, we see Hooper at 43% and Kiara at 41%. It's rare to see anyone with multiple fights and a defense rate below 50%, and I I honestly can't remember the last time I've seen a matchup between two guys with defensive rates below 50%. For some context, there are 1,490 fighters in UFC history who've spent at least 10 minutes striking from distance, and only 93 of them have a defense rate below 50%. So if you're below 50%, that basically means you're in the 6% of the worst distance striking defense rates in, in the UFC. And if you're below 45% distance strike defense, which both of these guys are, you're in the bottom 2%. Now both of these guys have faced some tough competition relative to kind of where they are in their UFC careers, but even if, for example, we take the Alex Caceres fight out of Chase Hooper's sample, which honestly takes away like a third of his UFC fight time, so not really good practice to just pull that out, but if we remove his toughest matchup for his distance striking defense, it still climbs to just 46%. There are a couple things to like about Hooper's numbers relative to um, Felipe Coyares' though. Um, Hooper does outpace his opponents with an edge of 13.8 to 10.4 distance strike attempts per minute, while Coyares attempts fewer than Hooper at 12.16, but faces a ton more at 15.72 per minute. So yes, they're both terrible efficiency-wise, but when you include the pace, we see Hooper getting outlanded by less than a distance strike per minute, while Coyares has been outlanded by 4.3 distance strikes per minute. Now looking at their grappling, they have pretty similar profiles statistically, Um, Hooper has spent 20.6% of his fight time holding control position. Kayares has spent 25.4%. And they've both done that despite having low takedown accuracy rates of 21% on 5.9 attempts per 15 minutes for Hooper and 22% accuracy on 8.2 attempts per 15 minutes for Kayares. Neither one has had much defensive grappling success either though. Uh, Hooper has yet to stuff a takedown in the UFC and Kayares only has a 43% takedown defense rate. Hooper has an opponent's control rate of 25.7%. For for Kiaras, that's up to 37.1%. Kiaras has faced the tougher competition of the two, but I think the numbers lean in Hooper's favor enough that I I, I think even if we try to account for that competition, I think things still point in Hooper's favor here. Uh, The other thing to keep in mind is Kiaras is 28 years old now, so obviously still probably hasn't quite hit his peak, but we're not expecting someone to take massive leaps once they're kind of in that 27, 28 you know coming up on 30 years old range chase hooper's only 22 so i don't want to necessarily project that there will be a big step up between every fight because sometimes fighters just stop progressing Uh, but there is that extra kind of room there where if either guy is going to be significantly better than the last time we saw them, it would be more likely, I would think, to be Hooper. So with all of that working in his favor, I actually slightly favor Hooper to win this fight. Um, And the odds have started actually moving against him a little bit recently. So liking him to win this fight, I also really like betting Hooper plus 155 this week. Next up is a bantamweight bout between Jonathan Martinez and Vince Morales. Morales is coming off back-to-back wins, but there are still some serious deficiencies that show through in in most areas of his stats, honestly. He comes in with higher pace than his opponents, admittedly, 11.7 distance strike attempts per minute, facing 9.7, but because of his inefficiency, he is being outlanded by about .05 distance strikes per minute. He's got just a 36% accuracy rate with a 56% defense rate, meaning his opponents are landing at 44%, or uh, a full 8% higher than he's landing. Looking at Martinez, we see 43% accuracy, so uh, 7% better than Morales on the accuracy side, and 63% defense, 7% better on the defense side, which has him landing 7% more accurately than his opponents. He doesn't outpace them by a ton, being kind of the one weakness we could see in these stats here, 10.97 distance strike attempts and 10.81 faced per minute, so basically right on par with his opponents, but he does outland them by 0.7 distance strikes per minute thanks to that really strong accuracy. Neither guy has looked to grapple much in the UFC, both averaging fewer than one takedown attempt per 15 minutes, but we see Martinez with a 38% takedown accuracy rate and 12.3% control rate, while Morales has 25% takedown accuracy and 1.7% control. On the defensive side... Uh, Both have limited their opponents to single-digit control rates, which is really strong, although we do see just 50% takedown defense for Morales, compared to 73% for Martinez. The Chris Gutierrez fight does weigh into Morales's distance striking numbers a fair amount. Gutierrez is quietly one of the more efficient strikers in the UFC, um, and he absolutely dominated that one. Uh, he outlanded Morales 60 to 8 in significant strikes, including 56 to 8 from distance, with 36 leg kicks landed. Leg kicks, I always talk about it, about twice as accurate as your average distance strike. But even if we remove that Gutierrez fight from the sample entirely, Morales has still landed 4% less accurately than his opponents, so I don't have a ton of faith there that that, that's one fight kind of skewing things way too far. Ultimately, with efficiency edges everywhere and Morales not having a massive pace edge here, it's pretty easy to like Martinez, um, though I think the fight is priced probably pretty fairly at minus 200 here. So I like Martinez, but not seeing a ton of betting value. We're going to jump up the card a bit next for a middleweight matchup between Eric Anders and Junyong Park. When I look at Eric Anders' stats, one of the big concerns that always really stands out to me is his striking pace. Uh, And not only his striking pace, but his striking pace relative to his opponents. He averages just 7.2 distance strike attempts per minute, which ranks 715th out of the 797 fighters in UFC history who've spent at least half an hour fighting from distance. Now, sometimes that number doesn't tell the whole story. Sometimes you get a guy like Derek Lewis who doesn't throw a lot of strikes, but his power and his ability to control space potentially um, can really impact what his opponents are throwing. So they're not being aggressive, but their opponents aren't able to get off any strike attempts either. Not so much the case for Anders, who faces 9.98 distance strike attempts per minute. That leaves him a distance strike attempt ratio, that's his attempts divided by his opponents, of 0.72 to 1, which ranks an even worse 723rd among that 797 fighter sample. So whether we just look at it in a vacuum or we look at it contextual to his opponents, Eric Anders is one of the least aggressive strikers in UFC history. He's got plenty of power with a 1.57% knockdown rate, but that's not like massive, game-changing Francis Ngannou power. I mean, he he obviously has plenty of power, and he's got some knockouts to his name, but it's not this you-can't-get-hit-once-by-Eric-Anders kind of power, and that means he's left a lot of the time having to kind of play catch-up in the striking. Even if we look at his most recent win against Darren Stewart, I mean, Anders was outlanded 22-9 from distance, uh, and there was a 44-28 edge in distance strike attempts for Darren Stewart. His last win before that was outpaced uh, 201 to 173 in distance strikes by Gerald Mearshert, who's obviously nothing of a striker. It's just now over a, a quite a big sample of his, of his UFC career, Eric Andrews just a very, very tentative striker who's generally going to get outpaced. He does make up for it a lot of times, A, with his power, like I said, and and B, with his grappling. Um, He's not hyper-aggressive with his wrestling or hyper-efficient, landing uh, 1.44 takedowns per 15 on four and a half attempts. So that's a 32% accuracy rate, but given that relatively low volume, a strong 23.9% control rate. On the other side, obviously Park is a really strong uh, offensive wrestler himself. He's got a 58% takedown accuracy rate on about four and a half attempts per 15. He's got a 33.75% control rate as well. One wrinkle that is kind of interesting is that Anders has been the better defensive wrestler, 74% takedown defense and only giving up a 9% opponent control rate while facing 3.4 takedown attempts per 15 Um, Park has faced an average of 4.7 takedown attempts per 15 only has a 47% takedown defense rate but given that takedown defense is so low his 13.6% control rate does show that it's been difficult to control him getting him to the ground hasn't necessarily meant out wrestling him. Now going and looking at Park's uh, d- distance striking numbers, he's got a 46% accuracy rate with a 55% defense rate, so right kind of middling in the efficiency numbers, compared to 39% accuracy and 56% defense for Anders, so there is an edge efficiency-wise for Park here, though obviously not an edge power-wise, and he's also got a pace edge, he averages 16.2 distance strike attempts per minute, he has tended to get into a little bit of uh firefights on the feet, he's facing 14.2 distance strike attempts per minute back from his opponents, so high volume striking kind of on both sides of those fight, but he has led his opponents in pace. Um, and against Eric Anders, I, I don't see him facing 14 distance strike attempts per minute coming back the other way. Um, I would also expect Park striking to be a little bit more tentative against Anders' power and, and the threat of the wrestling. But I think with a pair of strong wrestlers here, uh, I do favor the pace and the efficiency of Park and the striking to to really help give him an edge over Anders and that, that slow pace where uh, he's generally going to be playing catch-up if there's a lot of time being spent um, from distance in this fight. So I like Park to win the fight. Um, I also think he's a fair value. Um, seeing him at minus 205 on, on uh, DraftKings right now, I think he's a pretty fair value at that price. Not a super exciting bet, but but certainly one that I'll be playing. Now looking at the co-main event, we've got Santiago Ponzanibio taking on Michelle Pereira. Pereira's obviously pretty wild, but he's actually a really efficient striker, coming in with 51% distance striking accuracy and 65% defense. He officially averages only 9.4 distance strike attempts per minute, but with his kind of crazy feints and the way he's running around, I would say he's more aggressive than that looks. Um, and that also explains why even though he's not getting off many attempts, his opponents are only getting off 8.7 attempts per minute. Combining the efficiency with that slight edge in pace, he's outlanding his opponents by a margin of 1.7 distance strikes per minute. Ponzanibio, not quite as efficient. Uh, he does have slightly plus efficiency with 40% accuracy and 63% defense. He also only barely outpaces his opponents, edge of 12.8 to 12.7 distance strike attempts per minute, and that leaves him outlanding his opponents by a little bit less than half a distance strike. He does have a much higher knockdown rate at 1.6%, which is really high for a welterweight. But again, not that kind of groundbreakingly high number like I was talking about for Anders, um, that it's like totally fight-changing um, and, and match-up-changing power. Obviously it does have the potential to end the fight with that power, but uh, not the kind of thing that that factors in like you can't get hit by Santiago Ponzanibio. Ponzanibio has faced probably some tougher competition than Pereira, but it hasn't been overly consistent. And even if we look at you know, Ponzinibbio's fight with Miguel Baeza. Uh, it was a close fight. Ponzinibbio only had a 3% edge in efficiency, so it, it wasn't like he blew away um Baeza. And we can't make the direct comparisons, but, you know, Pereira does have wins over the last two fighters to beat Baeza since Ponzinibbio did in uh, Chaos Williams and Andre Fialio. If we shift our view to the grappling, Pereira's also got a really efficient 55% takedown accuracy rate, but he doesn't generally do do a lot with those takedowns. He's so aggressive and, and trying to do crazy things with them that it, he just loses control of, of the position. So he actually has a single digit control rate. And if we look at Ponzinibbio, he's only got a 61% takedown defense rate, but he has 10 straight fights in which he's allowed fewer than 30 seconds of control time. He gave up seven minutes of control in his debut way back against Ryan LaFlair, but since then has only given up more than 60 seconds once and and even that was only in his third fight. So really one of the best opponent control rates you're going to see in, in recent years for Ponzinibbio. So I'm not really concerned that Pereira's grappling is going to have a big impact in this fight. But with that striking, that efficiency, I do favor Pereira to win this one. And I think minus 120 is even av- is even offering a little bit of value here. I still think it's a close matchup. I don't think it's super one-sided or anything. But I do think that there's some room that minus 120 is still offering value on Pereira. And now for the main event, we've got Holly Holm taking on Catlin Vieira. Holm is one of those fighters I was talking about earlier who doesn't have a ton of pace um, on her distance strike attempts per minute. It's 10.0, but she faces just 7.8, controls the pace of her fights really well. Although it, it's been kind of a little back and forth throughout her career. I mean, her last fight, she attempted 91 more distance strikes than Renee Aldana did. That was a career high differential. Um, but there are some spots, I mean, she had a negative differential against Besh Koheya, negative differential against Megan Anderson, but then a positive differential against, like, Chris Cyborg, against Jermaine Durandomy, against Valentina Shevchenko. A little all over the place for home. But ultimately, though, looking at those averages and taking into account that her last fight was maybe her best as far as pace and aggression. Uh, and I think it's safe to say that we can expect her to, you know, if if not come out with crazy output, certainly be leading the striking exchanges in this one, especially against Vera, who's only very slightly positive in her distance strike attempt differential over her career. 13.0 attempts per minute, 12.8 faced. Uh, and then, if we look at the efficiency, we've got home with a 1% edge in accuracy, 35 to 34%. And then in defense, home has a 3% edge of 63% to 60%. So, combining that with the pace differences, home outlands her opponents by 0.65 distance strikes per minute, while Vieter gets outlanded by 0.65. The other thing with that uh, attempt number for Vieira, she does average more attempts per minute than her opponents, but she's only actually done so in 3 of her 8 UFC fights. So that is an average that maybe gets pulled up by a a small number of fights, but isn't necessarily what's happening in a typical Ketlin Vieira fight. Obviously though, her bread and butter is her grappling, where she has a 46% takedown accuracy rate and a 31.1% control rate. That control rate's especially impressive when you consider she's averaging only 3.7 takedown attempts per 15 minutes. It's not like she's constantly diving in on takedown attempts and enforcing at the very least clinch situations and racking up that control time she's picking and choosing her spots to grapple and when she's there she's doing really well with it. Holmes' defensive grappling is really strong, though she's only got a 77% takedown defense rate, which doesn't seem like a lot, but she's facing 1.9 attempts per 15 minutes, which indicates that maybe it's it's not always easy to even get in on a takedown attempt against Holly Holm. Uh, the example that I always come back to is the Cynthia Calvillo Caitlin Truexagium fight, which is now not as super recent as it as it uh, used to be when I started using it as an example, but that was a fight where it was just so clear that Calvillo wanted to get in on a bunch of takedowns attempts but simply couldn't because Chukagian's footwork and striking was keeping her at range, that's something that we see a little bit with Holly Holm, where it's hard to even get into position to officially record a takedown attempt against her. And when her opponents do, she shuts them down three quarters of the time. She gives up less than half a takedown in per 15 minutes. And she's only got a 5.3% opponent control rate allowed. And she has had opponents try to get her down. I mean, across two fights, Raquel Pennington's only one of seven on takedown attempts against home. 76 seconds of control time. Um, she held Valentina Shevchenko to three of seven on takedowns. And Misha Tate, even though her grappling ended up being the difference maker in that fight, was only two of nine against home. So ultimately, while Vera is a great grappler, I, I think Holmes' defensive grappling, both her takedown defense and her ability to uh, avoid getting controlled too much if she does get taken to the ground, is going to be enough to keep her standing for the majority of this fight, where her efficiency and her output should really make a, a big difference and give her a clear edge. So I like Holm to win this fight, but this is another spot where I think there's just not enough for me to get super excited about the betting markets here. I think minus 230 is probably a pretty fair price, and there's nothing between the two of them that stands out as something that would cause an obvious um, an obvious mistake in the betting markets, if you will. You know, a spot where sometimes maybe someone's coming off a couple of quick finishes that have them a little bit overrated or, or have people ignoring some of their deficiencies. I'm, I'm not seeing a ton of that standing out in this fight. So, you know, without that minus five, 230 looking super appealing off the jump, I'm also not you know, seeing anything that tells me I I should be betting one way or the other in this fight. So this is another spot where uh, I like home to win, but I think it's priced pretty fairly as far as I can see. So that does it for this week's uh, abridged version of the show. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Numbers MMA. And if you're enjoying the show, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a rating or a review. Thanks so much and enjoy the fights this week.